Hi, this is Reverend Tommy, and I'd like to welcome you back to the garden where we explore the big questions about life. I invite you to open your minds and be receptive to seeing things differently. So let's get metaphysical. I don't know how to stress to you how important it is that we need to start changing the way that we see things. Uh, I'll talk about that some more in a minute. The allegory of Cain and Abel. Today's talk is based on a lesson Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore gave back in 1913. I came across it on Unity Online Radio Classics and I wanted to share it with you because it is an excellent example of Unity's metaphysical interpretation of a biblical story. Let me set the stage. Let's go back to the beginning of humans and the current race consciousness and how the current race consciousness understands that to be. The first thing to note is that there is some question as to how long mankind has been on this planet. Bible literalists say 6,000 years. Science, a little closer, 200,000. And that's just for the homo sapiens. If you go to the ancestors, ancestors, it goes much, much further than that. So obviously, there's some reconciliating, reconciliation to be done there. But we'll do that some other day. <clears throat> As you are aware, the, the general chasm is between evolution and creationism. Now, personally, I don't really see a conflict between the two, because the way I see things, I have evolved in this world. I started and you started as two little cells, and we evolved. So I think, I've told you before, I have a list of, is it this way or that way, uh, questions, and then the answer is always, yes, it is. And so it's the same thing here. I think there's a part of us that is eternal, but there's a part of us that's unfolding as well in this 3D experience. In any case, somewhere along the timeline of humans, mankind began to ask profound philosophical questions such as, who am I? Where did I come from? And why am I here? Man began to question the nature of our existence. Aristotle said, all men by nature desire to know. Well, just as there are varying answers to the question of how long we've been on this planet, there are varying answers to the question of how we got here. Some think we evolved, some think we got here from another planet, and some think we were created full grown. The account in Western civilization that we are most familiar with or most identify with is with the explanation, and I'll put it that way, found in the Bible, and that one, in that uh, explanation, man appeared full grown. Now I say explanation found in the Bible because it's very important to understand that contrary to what traditional Christianity seems to think, the Bible is not an owner's manual for man. It really is not. As biblical scholar Reverend Marcus Borg in his book, reading the Bible again for the first time, and one of these days we're going to read it together just to have fun. He says, the Bible is very much the work of man, and consequently, it is based on the consciousness of the men who wrote it. In other words, 
it reflects what they believed, how they understood to be the relationship between God and man. Now, this is not to belittle the account because, to give it credit, it's a very interesting and insightful way of seeing creation or how we got here. We in Unity, in fact, use these stories to explain some of our views. Of course, there's one major difference, and that is in Unity, we see the account primarily as allegory. Now, it could have been a literal event, but then again, we're not really sure because that story probably took place either thousands or hundreds of thousands of years before it was actually written. Once again, as I've said before, the Bible is not an eyewitness account. But as an allegory, we like to think that it increases the chances of it being significant or relevant to us, to now. And that's what makes the allegory so interesting. In the case of this story, it is also an attempt to explain why there is evil in this world. And that is a big question for philosophy or theology. The story of Cain and Abel, you could say, represent the first act of violence. So it makes this particularly interesting. So for the sake of review, let me remind you just what an allegory is. Number one, a story, poem, or picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning, typically a moral or political one. Second one, a figure of speech in which abstract ideas and principles are described in terms of characters, figures, and events. Now, I like both of them, but the second one really hits home for a unity metaphysician. A figure of speech in which abstract ideas and principles are described in terms of characters, figures, and events. I also like my explanation of, the, of an allegory, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. For me, as it pertains to the Bible, if the, if the Bible is literal, then it's a story about some people. But if it's allegory, then it's a story about all people. It's a story about me. It's a story about you. And that makes it a, a very much the difference. So let's switch our mindset to this. The story of Cain and Abel is a figure of speech in which abstract ideas and principles are described in terms of two characters and one event. I would like to refamiliarize you with a story. It is found in Genesis 4, and it goes like this. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother, Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in, pro in process of time, it came to pass that, brought, that Cain brought the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the, first, the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but to Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thou countenance fallen? If thou dost well, shall thou not be accepted? 
And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now thou art cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and vagabond shall thou be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and, that, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it shall come to pass that every man that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out of the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden. So what is this story telling us, really? We've all heard it. On the surface level, it's just telling us that uh, a story about two brothers who lived a long, long time ago. They both made offerings to God, because that's what ancient people did, as you know. One was accepted by God, one was rejected by God. And this led to the one being rejected to become upset. And then he slew his brother. This was the first murder that took place on the earth, if you think about it. And if you really want to be literal, you could say that God was an accomplice. He was guilty of abetting and, what, aiding and abetting. Because he could have just as easily said, both gifts are fine. You do what you do, and that's fine. But no, if you take it literally. Where is the abstract idea or principle in describing that story if you take it literally? It's just simply one event that happened, as I said, a long time ago and to somebody else. Remember, so it's that whole literal view makes everything separate from you. It's somebody else, got nothing to do with me that I can tell. Then again comes Charles Fillmore and says, now wait a minute, <laughs> that's not the point of the story at all. There is an abstract idea underneath the story. Let me remind you that a metaphysical interpretation of the Bible means that every event and every character represents some aspect of each of us, within each of us, and the journey that we call life, our spiritual journey. So let me talk a little bit about what Fillmore says about this metaphysical interpretation, allegorical interpretation of the story of Cain and Abel. He says, Adam and Eve are but one being which represents our dualistic nature in the manifest three world, 3D realm. That one being is in each and every one of us. 
I went back and I reread all that part of the Genesis story, and you know this, but sometimes you hear it differently. And as you know, God formed Eve from the rib of Adam. And I thought, well, that's interesting because he started Adam from scratch. Why didn't he start Eve from scratch? Instead, he took it from something that was already there. Well, that tells me what Fillmore says, that, that it's part of the same thing. They're not separate things. It's another part of that same thing. I thought that was interesting when I read it that way. I said, okay. <laughs> so, so Adam and Eve, then, are two aspects of us. Cain and Abel, are likewise, are two phases of consciousness within each of us. Cain represents a selfish state of mind. As a tiller of the ground, he is connected to the ground. He's connected to the earth. He thus represents the physical side of our existence. April represents the spiritual principle in us. As a keeper of the sheep, he represents the spiritual nature within each of us. Because the lamb is a symbol of purity and innocence. You think about it, the lamb has no enemies, it kills nothing, it is absolutely defenseless. And so in that sense, it, we metaphysically interpret it as our spiritual nature. The slaying, now this is the key thing, the slaying of Abel by Cain symbolizes a killing of our spiritual nature and thus a turning away from our spiritual nature to the central physical nature. In other words, what this story is trying to tell us is that the principle behind the story is that we have turned away from our spiritual nature towards our physical side and have done this to the point that we no longer even see our spiritual side. Of course, we in unity, and, then, and, and, thus, and thus, we have been sent to the land of Nod, as it says there, and Nod as I heard one minister say, is the place where God is not. Now, of course, in unity, we understand that, well, there's no place where God is not, but there can be a state of consciousness within us in which God is essentially not, when we're not living through that point of view. And that is what it's trying to tell you. That was, that was the result of Cain not being able to restrain his emotions, and Cain failed to do that. The Cain in us failed to do that. It is an extension of the story that we came into this manifest world, and we were so enthralled by it that we totally got lost in it. So that's what it kind of represents. So from the Bible perspective, you could say that step one in this process, in the spiritual journey, what's two? Eat of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, which is Adam and Eve, which is his parents, did. So early on, we acknowledge the fact that there are two things, that there is good, that there is bad. And then step two would be the killing of Abel, our spiritual na nature, by Cain, our physical nature. Of course, as you know, the, the Bible continues through the various uh, journeys and we find ourselves in many predicaments in which we are less than in favorable 
situation. And that's all part of the story because of what we've done, what we have, what we have, where we have decided to center our focus, in other words. Of course, ultimately, like any good story, it does come around, and, uh, and in the end, we do find our true self. And that's, of course, the story of the entire Bible, as well as the condensed version, if you will, of the story of the prodigal son. So last week, as you know, I, was in, I drove to Florida and back, and I'm still tired. <laughs> it's a long way. So Marisa's doing well, by the way, so she's like, getting used to her new job over there. But I had read the article that Michael had read for the, for the newspaper last week. Nancy always sends it to me. And something caught my attention. And I didn't hear the lesson. Obviously, I was not here. But I kind of want to leave you with that kind of, with that thought. Because it, it not only pertains to this story, but it pertains to every story in the Bible. And on top of that, I'm always listening to things. So I took advantage and took my audio CD book of Greg Braden about the instantaneous uh, power of belief, the healing, and and this is why I was telling. This is why I started the lesson this morning about telling you about transformation, because it is so so important to understand that the way we have seen things is incorrect. It is incorrect, and it is of no use to us anymore. It keeps us grounded. It really does. We must change the way we see things. It's very important. And here's the thing. Our very beliefs determine what our lives become. So it makes it all the more important to do this. So we must continue to change. So what Michael mentioned that caught my attention was this. He said that we have a view of God and the creation that God created the world and, 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 and Abel and Cain and Adam and Eve and everything else way back when. In other words, creation has stopped or something. But that's not the way it is at all. It's not in our lives. You know, your body, every, what, seven years, you had a whole new, all new cells. Every day is a new day. Every day. So the point is this that God is continually creating, now just as much as ever, continually creating every moment. So the story of Cain and Abel is not a story about what happened a long time ago. It is a story about what happens to us every day. Because when we are confronted with a situation that, let's say, tries us, and we don't act too very well, we don't respond very well to it, well, that part of us that is Cain is killing that part of us that is Abel. And that is the story of the allegory of Cain and Abel. Every time you turn and you do something that's not in the God consciousness, your Cain is killing your Abel. Amen.